Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? Hey, what's up? Welcome along to episode 16 of the Howie Games. Hope you're enjoying the show. And firstly, thanks to all the feedback at MarkHoward03 on Twitter and Facebook. Mostly good feedback too, which I really appreciate. So thank you. Happy days. Anyway, our guest today, one of the most elegant Australian batsmen of the modern era, Damien Martin. In a team of giants, Marto pretty much liked to hide in the background, which ain't easy when you play 67 tests, average over 46, and knock up 13 test hundreds. In this episode, Damien talks about playing in arguably the greatest cricket team of all time, why he avoided publicity, the pain of getting dropped after one, one errant shot, and plenty more. I never dealt with Marto while he was playing. Not many people in the media did, it must be said. And we met for the first time over a pretty average breakfast in a dodgy old hotel in Georgetown, which is the capital of Guyana. We had a brilliant month together, travelling throughout the West Indies, commentating on the Caribbean Premier League cricket. How good. World's best job. He is a funny bloke, Damien Martin. We sat down together for this chat in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, of all places. Marto, gun bat, cool cat. Enjoy. Oh my Jaja, tell me why Won't they open up their eyes They could help out if they try, try, try If they would try, try, try Marto, we're in Florida at, yeah. a, at a cricket tournament of all things It's crazy, isn't it? It is very crazy um, It's good though, isn't it? Yeah Getting around Florida, a bit of Miami, a bit of South Beach. Well, you've uh, been doing well down at South Beach. You've been enjoying yourself in your white linen pants. You're a bit like Crockett and Tubbs back in the Miami Vice days. Yeah. The thing is, you watch those shows and they weren't sweating in those shows. No. I've been definitely, it's been far too hot here. So <laughs> it has been hot. I, here. Um, I popped down the beach for a little while, but very sunburnt. So. Hey, we've just been chatting here for nearly an hour about cricket commentary, and this is something you've got into. What was the, what was the first game of cricket you ever commentated? Oh, that's. Uh... And how nervous were you? Uh, Verenus, well, I, had a, I had a good break from cricket when I retired, so that was good because I was always more nervous going back in and talking about your mates or mm. or trying to not be one-eyed for Australia and you know <laughs> you know that sort of way because you know you got to be neutral and so I did a few and when when I think Ponting was still playing and guys and I, and I found it difficult commenting so, on your former team yeah teammates. yeah so there was more away trips I never really did anything in Australia I was always coming away and doing a West Indies or India tour or. But yeah, sitting in the com box first time, and 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 having all those people around like ex cricketers and big names in the commentary and big names in cricket. Well, that's the thing I found yeah. strange that you, you said you sat down with especially a couple of the big Indian guys, yeah. and you, you're actually a little bit because I was saying to you when I sit down with you guys, I'm a little bit edgy at the start, and you said yeah, you yeah. feel it that way. You don't look that way. You look very confident <laughs> when you sit down. Like, okay, <laughs> you, you it's, feel it's internal. It is internal. Um, first time I sat down with Ponting and Gilchrist. Um, wow. Yeah, I, I was really edgy. You, you've had that experience with some of the big Indian guys. Yeah, because I think I mean, like I've I mean, we had gang. Gurley, you had Dravid, and I love Dravid and Laxman, you know, and all that. And, you know, you've seen them play us, and, and then you're sitting there, mm. and then you're socialising, you know, for coffee afterwards, you know, in, you know, in between your stints, and and you're talking cricket. and But, yeah, for the first time, you're sort of sitting there, because you never really met them. You know, you say hello, or you walk past them on the cricket field, or yep. watch them make 4,000 runs, and and you know, someone like so, someone like me for driver, I've always looked up like his batting, you know, his technique and who he is and the person. So then you're sitting there and you're and you're trying to commentate. And then you got Ravi Shastri, who's this you know huge name in India, and so it's um, you know was a Macroom show of actor. But what I think out of it all, what I've loved is actually meeting people mm-hmm. that you never would have met, and 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 some you form really good friendships with and you keep long term or when you catch up. But I I've actually enjoyed. That like I, I've had great conversations with Wise and Matt Graham sitting around, you know, talk, about cricket. Yeah, talking about cricket, talking about you know his bowling moments in cricket, um, and most humble man. Like, like it's not about him how good he is, but it would, you know you can have a joke and you're talking. And I, I think those are sort of things. You know, you're actually sitting around saying, "I'm actually sitting here." Like the month before, yeah, Jeffrey Dujon. That's the one that gets me. You yeah. spent some time with him when we were just in Jamaica, and yeah. it, it, growing up, he was. Everything about West Indian cricket, yeah, you know, yeah. there'd be Fifer and he'd come in and hit the winning runs, yeah. and then he'd take a one hander in front of second slip. Yeah. Is he a good man? Jim yeah, Pedro? good man. And I, my memory as a kid is him just diving, you know, yeah. diving in front of the slips. And then, you know, I got brought up with my dad, you know, watching Australia versus West Indies and what they had Haynes and Greenwich. I mean, and this guy played with them all. 
He knows everything. Yeah. Like, you know, you holding Ghana, Marshall. You, yeah, and he's talking about, you know, like, even like first-class cricket. You know, you're going to Jamaica or wherever and you've got I don't know, holding and, you know, you've got this attack that it's like, it's, you know. So, yeah, he had, he, so I think it was, it was just good old cricket. It was tough cricket, you know. You talk about Lillian Marsh where, you know, or, you know, like he'd be facing Lillian. Yeah, Lillian be, you know, his first test match at the MCG and he's trying to hook Lillian. Lillian's like into him, yep. like massively. And then go to the chain rooms. He said that Rod Marsh walked in, brought a beer in and sat next to him and said, you know, I hear, you know, because he wasn't keeping that stage. He was just fielding. And he goes, I hear you're a keeper, sat down. And then Dennis would walk in and he sat down and had a beer with him and was like, you know, whatever. And he tells a funny story. You'd have these great beers and these smiles and laughs and then next day, Dennis would be straight back into it. And I think that's that was the greatest thing about cricket back then. Yeah. You know, guys would mix in the chain room. I know the game's changed and, you know, whatever, but he was telling these stories about the same thing about Lily and, you know, how good Viv was and, you know, you know, watching these guys, Haynes and Greenwich. And so I think you look at that and I just go, wow. For the rest of my life, that's at a moment where I can... Well, you've met Viv as well, you know, yeah. through the Big Bash or whatever. And it's you, extraordinary. You, like, mo- you pinch yourself. Yeah, you have moments where, okay, you might get 10 or 15 minutes and they chat to you and you talk about stuff and you just go, well, I, I, so I've, I've liked that and making the friendships of people you never would have met and hung out with and, and building some of those, you know, you get, you know, good contents that we spoke about, you know, there's a really good thing and everybody's getting along and where, you know, you're meeting different guys and you've got great humour on... Um, on the microphone, so yeah, it's one of been, been the big things. And talking about people you meet, we'll get we'll get to cricket soon. But tell me some of the uh, tell me some of the people you've met through cricket away from cricket. Tell me some of the stars you've met. Yeah, I, there used to be the you know you'd see at Lords people, Hugh Jackman or whoever would float through the dressing room. Yeah. Is there people that you've met along the way that have made a big impact on you? Yeah, well, I mean, there's obvious ones. You know, we've always hung out. You know, Russell Crowe's always been around because of Warney, so there's always been the odd you know right. good party. Um, you know, Hugh, Hugh Jackman, the, the, the funny ones was, was Hugh came and met us because he was driving down the street in London outside the Royal Garden Hotel and Ricky Ponting was crossing the road for coffee and Ricky just said he just stopped the car and he was there making a movie or whatever, he was staying there and he was actually off to go and do Wolverine or something and he was there and he stopped the whole car and all the cars lined up behind him. He said he's window down talking cricket. He just wanted to talk cricket. With cricket. punter. Yeah, to punter. So then, then he goes, you know, get some tickets and he just sat in the crowd. Punters gave him tickets and he's just sitting up at Lord's just randomly. I think he goes to the Boxing Day test all the time when he can and he's just sitting there and he just came in the rooms, chatted the boys and he came back that night, had a chat and so you see like just totally normal, you know, and then um, but early days we had um, um, the Stones drummer, um, oh, Charlie Watts, right. come in. And like I'm not a... And Brendan Julian, I love this story because Brendan Julian's a massive Stones fan. We're only young, you know, 2021. 20, At Lords, sitting around the chain rooms, and, you know, this, this guy walks in. Old Be- dude. Beautiful suit, bit older, just in case you're listening because I still want to go see the Stones. <laughs> and um, he would listen to this podcast, I'm sure. No, daddy, they, 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 the Stones, the Stones love this. <laughs> Mick Jagger's all over Mick this. Mick Jagger's all over this. Never met Mick Jagger, but we'll so this guy walks in, beautiful seat, big trench coat. I'm like, who is this dude? <laughs> and BJ looks at me and goes, "That's the Stones drummer." <laughs> so there's, you know, we had good conversations. So there's always been fun. I mean, England's always fun. You're always off meetings, you know, the Queen, or we have done that, you know, the Prime Minister. There's always Tell me about meeting the Queen. Well, yeah, because the old days would be on the field. I, mean, I don't know where that still happens. I don't know what they do now in test matches. I think they do. But, you know, because you've been watching Ashes, you know, they walk out and, yeah, it's surreal. Like the World Cup in 1990, we went actually to Buckingham Palace and every team went there. And we're in this massive hallway and I felt sorry for her in a way because she had to stand at the end and greet every single person. And there was like, you know, every cricket team, every... She, she must be good at small talk. Oh, I was just sitting there. And you know, before you go in there, you get told, you know, like, okay, you got to, you know, what, what do a, they tell you? Well, you know, you got to call a certain way, and you can't, you know, you got to, you know, bow, not, you know, you can't, no lingering. <laughs> no. But but then then what she did, so you she, can't chew her So ear she off. meets everybody who walks in this massive hall, and they've got, you know, paintings from floor to ceilings, like massive artwork, and this beautiful room. And then she already met everybody coming in, so we're all in this massive room all the time. And then she starts at one end with a sort of entree, and then she moves through the whole room. Right. Like stopping 
and then she'll have someone next to her who'll just sort of, you know, you know, either move us or, you know, next one. But she got to us because she loves horse racing because Mark Wall was there. So actually we had, there was a good conversation. She sort of stood there for a while and spoke horse racing and Junior thought he was... The king. The king. And With the coin. He has all the winning horses, <laughs> Junior. But so, yeah, so there's, there's, I think we've, you know, like, you know, been very lucky, certain experiences. People will listen to the first seven minutes of this um, and they'll say, wow, that's Damien Martin, he's chatty and he's personable and he seems like a lovely fellow. Just fella. like when I played. Well, well <laughs> see, this is where, what I'm getting to because you played, Marto, in one of the greatest, if not the greatest test team ever. And as Australians, we know Ponting and mm. we know Gilchrist and we know Warren, uh, we know Hayden, we know Langer. We probably never really knew Mark Waugh and mm. we never knew you. Mm. Is that a conscious thing? Were you a shy person? Did you just want to play cricket? Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. No, I think there were several reasons. And um, would I change it? Yeah, I, I, you'd change it in a way because I think, I think you should just be you. I think, and I think in any, with a sporting world or whatever, people always aren't allowed to do that or they don't want to, you know, there's a risk as a media or how you're judged or how you're seen or whatever. So when I first came on the scene and I had this, we had dinner with Tom Moody before we're talking about, but people can be perceived a certain way and, and, and it can be stuck. People make mistakes. Every, every person in life or sport or whatever, there's always going to be good and bad or it's a learning curve. I mean, you've got to remember you're 20, 21 if you're playing professional or doing what. So... I think people can perceive a certain way and then and then I think for me it's sort of by getting dropped and, and a lot a lot of stuff that happened, it sort of knocked the wind out of my sails. And then I had two or three years where I just didn't I wasn't really in love with the game. I had, I was still playing for WA and I was lucky enough they didn't drop me, I was still there and I sort of then I fell back in love with it. Right. And then when I, I think I just got back in the Australian team, I just thought I'm around all these you know, superstars, I'll just keep my head down and work hard and, and try and, you know, finish off by the end of my life, you know, a, a pretty good career. And, and and then to me, it wasn't about stats. I was never looking at, I just I just believed we did so well because it was like a family and we just enjoyed playing with each other mm. and we loved each other in that sense of this whole thing. It wasn't, I was certainly, and I was just happy to be back in. I wasn't going, okay, I want to play 100 tests and I want to, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying the other guys did, but it was no, nothing really about that. It was just, I, I loved it that I actually got back in, and I could spend time and play in that in that great era. So, but I struggled with the media, and I, you know, and I think that's personalities, or because it, it is. It, I think it, it always hurts. I don't, I don't think anybody wants to hear anything negative said about them, or have to pick up in the paper in the morning when you got to go to work. And there's a full page saying you're the worst player in the world, or you know, like everybody, and, you know, all these players that. So, so some people their personalities can handle it better. Some, you know, like a Shane Warne, I, I know that it, you you could do anything to him, and then he, he would actually rise and rise and actually walk out that day and get ten for. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if you know, and I've seen him in England. You know, that amazing ashes. When yeah, the yeah. There might be articles him. about whatever, or whatever, but he had this amazing ability that it actually fueled him, and he rose. And you know, like to why other people, you could be crumbling and go, I can't leave the room. Was that you? No, no, not 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 crumbling. But I, I just think that um, I sometimes it was hard to put out yes I, I think out of your mind or whether you're worrying about you know getting dropped or you're worrying about because you're in a high pressure thing of you know of the days where you know if you don't make runs in three games you know you're under the pump yeah they're writing articles saying you know it's a bit different to other sports Did like you read the articles yeah so in the end no I mean I think in the end you just sort of and then you also knew that there's always going to be some guys who wrote a certain way or said I mean that's just the that's just the industry it's a personal you know you have personal um, things um, so yeah and I, I think then it was just too far the other way like I just was really staying away from media and and not because my mates knew like Gilly and all these guys they knew who I was yeah. and and whatever but I but I think at certain times under pressure and under um, stress it was just easier for me you know to just lock yourself away and you know just get on with it and you know you don't read the papers you don't it's hard it'd be harder now with social media you're right about the perception because we'd never met till yeah 
two and a half weeks ago when we met in Georgetown, Guyana. Georgetown, hey? we, we should go back for anniversary. Yeah, well, it took me a long time to get there. I wasn't there long. And I, I, think, I was thinking, well, I'm going to be working with Damien Martin. And, I, and I'd spoke to Gilly and he said, mate, he's the loveliest, warmest, friendliest fellow because I was a bit concerned yeah, because yeah. I only had that perception of you from when you were playing yeah, cricket yeah, is yeah. that you were a bit um, removed from it all, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I but, I. but it's only a perception. And as soon as yeah, I met yeah. you over ten minutes over coffee, I thought, yeah. oh, this is going to be no yeah. problem here. And and I and I would be more um, quiet or stuff like functions or whatever. I, I just think by the end of the, by the end of the time I got back in, I just really wanted to play cricket. Yep. Um, the money or the contracts or whatever it didn't really, you know, it was just like I just wanted to play cricket with my mates. And and go and go out there and do that. I mean, I didn't care. They could have taken my marketing contract and said, "I don't have to do any functions." I would have been like, "Perfect, <laughs> just let me go and play cricket." And Andrew Simons was the same way too. Some of my men say, "Mate, he could have said, you know, I'm not doing any marketing. Yeah, I just want to play cricket." Yep. So there's all different personalities. You know, we see it everywhere, business and sport. So it's in, you know, getting all these guys together. But, yeah, I mean, should I have been better at the end? I think, yes, you look back and go, okay, it would have been great if your personality could have come out and been seen more in that situation. And I think that would have been great for other people and great for me. But in that, when you're in that sort of bubble doing that thing, that was sort of the only way I could sort of cope in a sense. So behind the scenes, yeah, everything would be great. You know, you'd be with your mates and you'd be sitting around rooms like this, drinking coffee with Punner and Gilly and her, we're having a ball. Mm. But I think then you sort of, when you walk out and you're going into this arena, there's some, you know, it was a certain way to cope with it. You know, of okay, I'm going out here and playing for 80,000 people and I've got to make runs today. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, i got to walk back off. That, that was one of the worst ones. If you walk on the MCG and get a duck, yep. you got to walk off again. <laughs> like, in front of all those people. Like, you can't explain to people, go, you just, there's not a big enough hole to try and fill in because you know you, you know, say it's a boxing day you know it's a big moment you've you got to walk down these stairs and everyone then out <laughs> you've got to walk straight back so off so what do you do in the rooms in that situation after I got out yeah well I think early days you'd you know you'd lose your crap and say you know throwing things and doing whatever but I think by the end you just sit there and you try not to affect anybody else must be hard though yeah I it's mean it's a team game but it's such an individual g- g- guys will blo- I mean guys will still blow up I mean, not breaking bats or punching it, but, I mean, guys will certainly, if it's been a bad decision or you just played a bad shot or something's happened, because I know it's not physical, like football, but there's so much, like, after a test match, you're exhausted because it's like an eight-day thing. Mm. It's the three days leading up, which will be functions and training and, you know, and then you start getting nervous. And then you've got five days of it. So the game just doesn't end. You don't play 90 minutes of f- football or soccer and then go, okay, there. You, you go, well, if I've got a duck, if I've failed on the first day, <laughs> I've still got four days to go. <laughs> and that sits on the scoreboard for two days, doesn't it? <laughs> like, just duck. It's like Adelaide Oval, like the old scoreboard. It's like, dude, can you just take that down? <laughs> and it sits there, doesn't it? We're the only sport. So we feel for two days. When you're thinking, okay, I've got to feel it today. So then... And then you start getting nervous when you go to bat again. And then you might get an opportunity to bat the second time. <laughs> in your team, probably not. Yeah, and then and then it's done. But it's five days of – and then by the end of it, you just get down there and go, I'm exhausted mentally. So I think, yeah, that there's – you know, there's no – so guys will come off your passion. Obviously, there'll be moments of, you know, whatever. But then, then I just try and sit in the corner, have your moping moment and then shower and then, you know – you back up because I think one of the great things about us is that, that you wouldn't guys you wouldn't be letting guys just sit around you know you sort of got to get on with it was there was there one player you've ever played with through any level of cricket that was, when they got out that was like right just steer clear because <laughs> this guy's going to go off tap yeah hate us probably yeah. Was it? <laughs> yeah. the big man the big man was you, know, he? you don't want to be around the big man or Glenn McGrath <laughs> Because Glenn would walk out and go, <clears throat> like he's, you know, batting 11, obviously he'll tell you we should bat eight or seven. Or and before he walks out, he'll go, I'm not sweeping today. I'm not sweeping. And if he's any spinners on or eight, he's always sweeping. <laughs> and if he gets out, he just comes in and tells himself off. Does he? Yeah, just talks to himself <laughs> and goes, Glenn, why? Like, why do you do that? I told you not to sweep. Tell like, and he's a guy who's averaging, I don't know what he's averaging like in test cricket, okay? Not many. Not many. But he was so passionate about his batting. He'd be training and batting and before he goes out, it's like me to say, don't play that shot. And you're always going to play that shot. 
very for someone who could not bat, and then for someone who could bat, yeah, Hados would be be quite fired up. You. It's bizarre to say it now with you sitting here, but growing up there's always been two batsmen I love watching, Mark Waugh and yourself, because it seemed to, you know, Mark was judged. People would say he'd throw his wicket away because he didn't seem to care. You guys just seem to be able to go out there and just bat beautifully mm. and aesthetically and pleasingly. Were you always like that as a batsman? Even as a kid, were you, were you a, and it's a hard one to answer, but mm. were you always a beautiful batsman? Well, see, that's the thing. You don't, I don't, you don't know how it happens you know, like we, I think our childhood um, for me was just backyard cricket and, you know, every moment I played cricket mm. and football. I love football. Aussie rules? Yeah, Aussie rules. And, and then, you know, people would have probably thought we're strange. And I, I spoke to other people and they've done the same thing where I just sit in the carport and throw a tennis ball against the wall and hit it like with a... You know, my granddad had made a little skinny wooden bat and, and, then, and now they practice with skinny bats, you know, but so yeah. your hand-eye coordination and, you know, you just, you know, you're just hitting balls. It, it's just, you know, it was just what we did. So I don't know where it sort of come from. I was more attacking early days um, and, and more aggressive batting and I think I, that would have been good to keep a part of that in the second part that could see you actually right. express. You know, like I think like any sports, you want to express who you really are, but there is a danger of, yes, you know, well, now, now, now you sort of. What I love about the You'd game right now, now. Yeah. yeah, is that I love the David Warners or even Steve Smith, or any of these guys that they just come in and and they bat and they can do whatever they want. And I, and I think there's also a leeway now of going, okay, if you get out, mm. but you know the game is is it's not like the old days where you know you couldn't even play reverse sweep. Or you, could, you weren't even sweeping, you know. It was like, it was as you would have been brought out, like it's, it's a technical way of batting and it's backing across and this and leave the ball all day. Now, they're not, if a guy's bowling good length, two foot outside of stumps, Steve Smith's walking across there all day yeah. and scoring. But that wasn't, you know, your coaching was different. So I think I, I love watching it now because I think, you know, as a batsman, you want to express the, the, the best, you know, the best you can do. I remember seeing you, Marta, it's just remind me, yeah, that uh, when what was that bizarre time when Australia had fielded two sides in the one day as Australia, uh, Australia, Australia, Australia yeah, and you yeah, batting yeah. it would have been the MCG if I was there yeah, watching yeah. with Bluey. Yeah, and I reckon you smoked a quick twenty or twenty five and smoked no, Warnie a couple of times. It wasn't twenty five. Okay. I mean, it wasn't. It's a, it, <laughs> was, it was at least fifty. Okay. And let me tell you, that was pitched outside leg stump. I tell Warnie every day. And I, I can't remember. But I remember Warnie going it was. out, and I just remember feeling really disappointed because you were just. It was like you were batting on another, like you were playing a different game. Yeah, and then we'd spoke about that because, look, it was a bizarre thing, that whole thing, and probably not great because I wouldn't, you know, playing for Australia. But it was just, it was a bizarre thing. And in Australia, I I mean, we had Merv in there, but it had Hayden and Blue. We just had so many great cricketers, you know, from the top 11 to this whole thing. And then, and we just sort of said that day, look, we're just going to go out there. And and, which I think is now, it's the way they play now. We just sort of said, okay. We're not going to go out there and got to face McDermott and Fleming and all these guys. We're not going to knock it around. We, you know what? We're just going to just going to bat. We're just going to go out there and attack and and just bat. And it and it just we did. I mean, you know, Flemo was bowling. You know, hitting him down the ground and whatever. And then the only one he want to get out to was Warnie. And it was after drinks. Yeah, and, and he always talks me through it. I, you know, <laughs> think he just conned the umpire. He does that with the umpire. <laughs> I said he watched the replay. It pitches outside leg, and I was like. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> he still talks about it now. He's like, mate, I got you. That's it. <laughs> if you missed last week's episode of the Howie Games, you missed seven-time world surfing champion Lane Beachley. One of the things that you must do to sustain success is celebrate success. Which you and weren't doing. I don't remember my second world title. I don't remember winning it because I didn't celebrate it. You're already on to your. I was already on my third. third. Yeah. So, well, but after I won my first one, I celebrated it. I anchored it, and when you anchor it, it stimulates adrenaline and and a you know a hormone response that actually fills you full of happiness and joy and you're like oh I like feeling this way then that enables you to maintain your motivation towards putting in the work and the effort and going through the ebbs and flows of success and failure to achieve your ultimate dreams okay back to Mardo. but you were you you mentioned right at the start about when you came back um, and 
people uh, that would know cricket well, you'd started your test career, we're playing South Africa, we're chasing, what were we chasing, 100 and, yeah, 100 and yeah. not many. You'd made runs in the first innings, yeah, which yeah. I think people forget about. You yeah, made 50 yeah, or made 60. 50 odd, yeah, yeah. Um, and you were batting with McDermott near the end? Yeah, McDermott. You end, probably yeah. should take over the story yeah, from yeah. there. No, I mean, I, and I'd also been in it because Steve Waugh was injured, so I wasn't really playing the next test or whatever, but I'd made runs the first thing. So I made 56 so on, on a wicket that... You know, it wasn't great. And 59, mate. 59, was it? 59, okay. mate. But a good attack. Like, so they had a good team, you know. Like, I think Pat Sinkos and Fanny de Villiers and all that. Donald. Donald. Um, and then, so, the second innings, wherever I was batting, six or down the order, it was like we just kept, we lost wickets that night. And then the next day, we just kept losing wickets. And it was bizarre things. I think Alan Border got bowled. Just tiniest thing. His bail fell off. And then... Think Warney run himself out, yeah, that's it. That's and it. So there's, there's all these dramas, and I was just down at one end, going, I just can't get out. So I'm just standing there batting, and you're like, I wasn't really scoring, but I was just like, okay, if I just don't don't get out, don't get out, stay here. And then McDermott finally comes in, and he just starts swinging, <laughs> and balls started going everywhere, and we're we're getting close to the total, and I was like, oh well, okay, I'll start having a go, and then you get out. And I remember Ian Healy coming to me after the test match and the change was going, mate, it's not your fault or whatever. He goes, because half a minute to the right and you're a hero. You, you, you've you batted, you know, four hours or five yeah. hours and won a test match. So you hold out to cover, cover. Yeah, yeah. and we and lost. Then, and, then, and then McGrath then comes in and then I don't know how many we lost by. Seven or eight runs, Yeah, yeah. So, and it was a whole thing because Africa were back in and, you know, we were so dominant. And, and I think that there's a few reasons. First, you're a scapegoat. Because you, you're, you're you, the youngest. You were blamed for yeah. that test yeah, loss. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which, which that's that's a media thing, which then turns into where people believe it. Perception. Like perception. You're talking about you know, perception. People in the street would come up and you go, well, and for the journos and all that, right? Like, oh, I mean, I don't hate you know the certain journal, but I think there's certain things that can be written a certain way to explain. Yeah, it's very easy, and we see it now on social media. It's very easy to just nail someone or say you know that's terrible or you did this. Well, it's not. It's not. There's a lot of reasons. Yeah, should I should I have got out? No, of course not. I shouldn't have got out. You know, would I do it differently now? Yeah, I mean maybe I'm 21 or it's one or, shot. It's one shot. That's what I mean. It's like it's it's something that. That's the way. If McDermott had come straight in and swung, got out, and McGrath walked the next ball, and he's out. I would have been not out, and then I, the whole side would have been, well, they're all rubbish. <laughs> but my thing was, there was five bats and above me all played, you know, hundred tests. Yeah. So maybe they shouldn't have got out either. That you know we're chasing, but that's fine. But I think that was my first time of really understanding that you know this can be. There's there's massive highs, and then there's that you know massive low that. Which come maybe then that's just comes with it. That's that's the risk of what we do of you know at, at any professional sport that there's always going to be a time when that low is going to hit. So when that low hit for you and you know history will say that you're out of the test side for I don't know mm. se- seven years. Yeah, yeah, you, like you six, talked about years. falling out of love with the game. Mm. You were I think you were made captain of WA in that period. Yeah, the youngest which ever was wrong. Of- yeah, yeah, it was it was it was all a wrong thing in the in the in the scheme of things of what was happening because I wasn't really but it was a just a thing that happened. It just I didn't really chase it, just sort of fell into it and then How old were you? Uh, 23 or 24. I mean it was it youngest was, WA captain. Yeah, and there was a bit of a campaign changing the wacker profile and all this sort of stuff. And then a few guys, there was a lot of politics going on with certain coach and certain senior players and guys weren't going, and then it was just like, oh, okay, would you do it? Right? And, of course, I'm just going to go, yeah. <laughs> but it was the wrong move. I think you're far too young to be in there with so many senior players and dealing with all that and also trying to deal with your game and work on your game. And, and, and you are. You are young. You've got to learn. You've got to learn the game. And I, and I think, like, like what can be good now is guys can play at 28 or 30, like Huss or, mm. like, you've learned the trade. They know their job. It's like commentating or whatever. It's like you got to you got to do your sort of apprenticeship to understand. So, so yeah. So for years, yeah, I wasn't really interested. Then and then got back in, and then and I had some great people around me. Like I mean, we had you know WA had you know JL Justin Langer was there. You know Gilly was there. Tom Moody, so Brennan Julian. So we had great friends and all. And JL was so good on the on the hard work and discipline and and and. Which he, you know, in this environment now, he'd be so good at because back then it was still sort of evolving to where you should be mentally and, and peak fitness and, you know, almost like a footballer. So 
it was really then because I was sort of unfit and whatever, and then it was just the focus of saying, okay, if I'm going to do this, I've got to do it, you know, seriously. So, so know, before you get to that point, when when you are struggling a bit, yeah. did you, I don't know, did you, and people have different ideas of this, did mm. you go off the rails? Did you? No, I mean, no, I mean, I mean, you drink or you party or you, you do whatever. I, I think I just, I lived a, a, a lifestyle that was not for, you know, you know, you'd probably eat stuff and, you know, you're just going out and the only thing was sort of you're probably drinking too much at certain times or whatever. But there's no, I was never one to go into a spot that, you know, you know, whatever it is that was going to go badly. Um, it was more that you're just unhappy and, you know, you, you, the game. And I think, but also you've been doing the game since, you know, like I was eight or nine, like I was doing TV interviews at 10 mm. about my cricket. And like, yeah, like, you know, from under 12s to like, you know, so it's been a long, a long thing. So if you say, okay, I've, I've worked so long to get to something and then you finally get there and then it just, it can just be taken away. Due to one cover drive. It can be taken away by four guys sitting in a room. So I think that's a learning curve to understand because it's a dream. I mean, I mean, a lot of millions of kids have this dream. I want to wear the baggy green, or I want to. Absolutely. And then if you get it, and then it's taken away, I think people don't really understand that this this is not just a job that you know you've sat around going, I want to be doing this certain job. This is like a passion that is a hundred percent holy heart and everything that you've been sitting at the backyard for years, writing down teams going, I'm going to bat like Alan Border. I remember talking to Huss about this, did the same thing. That's why I think he's batted left-handed. I think, you know, we were changing hands and, you know, you pull your team out and you put, this is the thing that was passionate. We've been doing this. And then when you get there and you get it, and then if it's taken off you, you know, there, there is, there is a, that certain people will handle it differently. So I just went away, mate, and I struggled. I wasn't making runs because I was unfit and I wasn't really focused. So I was lucky enough just to make enough to to, to stay in the WA side. Did it get to a point where you thought oh, cricket and me are going to part ways or not? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think that was runs. I know Tom Moody, he was captain then and, and that, and, you know, he spoke to me and, and I think it got to a stage and one season was like, you know, end the day. We, they can't keep you if you're not making runs. Even if they want to and they want to know, they know the talent that you've got, it's like we can give you as much as we can, but you know, now you really have to, you know, we just have to, you know, otherwise you're going to go. And I think if I hadn't have made runs and I'd gone, I would have just gone and would have been club cricket and probably no cricket and then off into the, off into the thing. And, and so wow. then, and then what I did was, it was funny that, I don't know whether it's the talk, because I remember Tom giving it to me out in the middle of the whacker. Not, not like a stern toe, we were just having a chat. And it was just like, you know. A training? Yeah, uh, no. Uh, I can't remember what. Okay. It, yeah, it might have been a few days before the game, checking the wicket at training or whatever. And no doubt he would have been getting pressure off the selectors and, you know, of what's going, because he doesn't just pick the side. And I just think it was a chat you know, to sort of let you know and, and, and but then I, then what happened was, I, I don't know exactly, but I think the next game or whatever, I made 200 against Tasmania. I remember the first night I was batting and, and we're playing Tasmania and I got in, I had to bat like for an hour and a half that night in terrible, like, you know, the worst time you need to bat if you want to make runs. And I got there like 48 not out and, and then I went over and I had dinner with with um, a couple of my really good mates. And I know for the first, I just felt sort of calm and like, you know, it was just one of those moments that everything seemed good and like, okay, didn't feel pressure. And then the next day came out and that was my highest score then or whatever. And then it sort of continued on there. My fitness, I was really disciplined with my eating and my, my fitness and my training and, um, you know, getting a fitness advisor. Um, so I just, I just focused a lot more and said, okay, this is it. And then worked hard on my game, and then and then how I got back in, I just started making. And I got more and more runs in one day cricket, you know, Mercantile Mutual. You remember all that stuff, <laughs> and and then and then and then getting back in. And I remember the day I got back in, we were at a WA function at a restaurant in Perth. The whole team and Tom Moody came up to me, and we we're going to the team. The team was going to India for the one dayers, and he was he was in it or whatever, and and he said. Um, yeah, they get, they get, the word is he thinks that, you know, I'm going to be picked as the spare batsman and all that. And and then the same thing, he gave me advice about, you know, it spoke to Steve Waugh. Because I think what Steve Waugh did great with guys like, say, JL getting back in and Hados and me, that he he had a set idea of the characters he wanted. In the team? Yeah, to build a team. 
you know, like it's not all just about talent or whatever. He had a, he had a set idea of what he was forming, and and I think he had great faith in guys that he'd seen do it and fail or whatever. Like you know, you know, he was right about JL. You know what I mean? He's right about Haydos. He had these guys. He'd he'd almost like recycle us in a sense. You know what I mean? Like you know, where Alapil might have written us off and said, okay, well they've been picked and gone. He. I think that's why his leadership's so great even now, you know, with things he's doing that I think back then he just saw, okay, these guys. So, you know, he's, he would have spoke to Moods, WA captain, and asked what I'm doing and how I'm going and blah, blah, blah. And then I went on that tour and I got picked. And for eight weeks, I, I did nothing. I, did, I just played one game, but I was there. But also I knew that, you know, from Steve's point of view and certain things, is seeing me back yep. okay what's he like what's he's doing you know the hard work you know you're doing the 12th man duties and you're running around for eight weeks and you do and you and then and you do that and you you say well now i'm you know i'm this is this is who i am now back and then and that's how i got back in and it was only through really that and then steve kept his faith and i got picked from the test match in 2001 and then it goes from there tell us about your first hundred after going through everything you've been through well you know you got mark butcher got me out <laughs> Oh, so, Butch. so oh, Butch. you know, like you, you know, you would have met, you know, we met Butch. Yes, yeah, so and, and he'd got me out. Yeah, so, but yeah, no, the hardest thing about that was I played and JL got dropped, right. which is the other way around. Because in the early days in the West Indies, I got injured in, in Australia. The first Test series against Ian Bishop and all those guys, I injured my eye in Adelaide, and JL came in for his test debut where he got hit in the head. You know, oh, that, Bish. yeah, yeah, you know, that, that, that big, you know, thing. He tells a great story, I think, on cricket. Dot com, they got that thing where he tells his story, Jail, about his first test match. So which I got it. I got injured. funny because we've just been working with Bish for the last two weeks. Yeah. Just a massive, enormous, partly scary man. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. It's very <laughs> no. quiet. Doesn't quite, you know. Intimidating. He, he doesn't want to talk about his test career. No. And he hates the idea of hitting anybody in the head. <laughs> and he's hit a lot. <laughs> so JL, that story, just peppered JL. And it's like, I was the one, Bish, I'd go, Bish, you're so mean. He's so mean. And he's, not, and he's not at all. But yeah, so then I got, so then, um, Steve Waugh had always said this thing. He always go and tell the person he's getting dropped. And he had to do that. Yeah, you know, he's a great friend, his mate. He had to go knock on the door and say to JL, oh, you know, you're not in. And then, you know, you come to me. So they're, they're, they're the sort of things that people don't hear about. It's, it's, it's an emotional sort of thing. And then JL gets back in the last test match yeah. and scores 100, you know, and then goes on, you know. So, but what JL did when he got dropped in the rest of that time, he was, you know, an amazing person around the team, what's going on. Because even though you're deep, you know, like you want to play, and then he got back in, then he's, he sort of thing evolved. So so I, I got in and... So when Steve Wall knocks on your door and comes in... Well, you, you want to hope that he's not coming out. But I, I, I knew I wasn't in the side. So you sort of get an inkling what's going on or what they're thinking, but you don't know before. But it, it was just very good. I think it was a moment where instead of coming from the selectors or... Because there there always, always be a selector on tour... And you know, and he, you know, he'd, he'd just come to me and say, "Oh mate, you're in." You know, not many words. You're in. Good luck. You know, believe in you. And then, you know, off he goes. Do you think you're going to do anything differently in this stage? Do you look back on everything that's happened and think, right, this is a second chance for a test career. I'm going to do anything differently. Or I'm going to do it exactly the same. Oh, I, I just felt pretty good that tour, as in just happy. I think you know, like of what was going on, training and making runs, and and the group was really good. And um, you know, you just sort of felt. You know, whether you're in a zone, you don't know. You know, like there's times when you can bat and not get out. You know, like you'll go through like three test matches and just pound out runs and like you'll get dropped or there'll be a no ball. Yeah. Or, but then you you have this run where a guy run you out from the fence from 40 metres. Like, you know, it's just the way a game ebbs, ebbs and flows and runs. So I just felt good and we went out and batted. And, and, I, and I batted behind, I think I was batting six, and I think Butch tells that story because we were we were in trouble or something, and and then obviously I'm batting, I'm batting six, Gilly's batting seven, and then Gilly comes in, and he says about Gilly at the start, he goes, you know, Gilly had played and missed, and he might have been dropped or something like, he just didn't look great at the start, and then and then just in one over it just all changed. Gilly, Gilly just went bang, and then England just gave their head down, and. I don't know what Gilly made. I think he might have made 200 or 108 or something. So I'd been batting then. Obviously, Gilly passes me quickly. As he does. As he does. And he's, and he's like, But then the, the momentum just changed the game because with someone like Gilly, they, they just dropped their heads. They were like, well, what do we do here? So then I got to like 100. I got, I got out for 105 or, or something. Court, Trescothic, bold butcher. It's always going to hurt me for the rest of my life. 
And then Gilly went on. So remember that test match at the end, we we won, and three of us made hundreds. I think Steve War made a hundred, and there's a great photo of that. The three of us in the Edgebaston change room. So I've always got. There's always moments to sort of, and then then I, I always batted well with Gilly. Always batted well with Punter. There's certain things, you know. JL, I batted with those. Hey, but I mean, I just because I was batting six, I used to have these things with Gilly. These partnerships, which made me look good, but. The partnership's 300, he's got 220. <laughs> and I'm just at the other end going, well, this is good, I'll go in the record books. We did hold the record, I think, in South Africa, or the sixth or seventh wicket to someone, I think only recently they got beaten by the Aussie guys, but it was like, that partnership is like, Gilly was just whacking the spinners <laughs> out. There was a sign up in uh, the bull ring at Joburg, you had to hit this gold sign, you could win gold. And Gilly was just trying to pepper it all day. <laughs> just sweeping, sweeping. And like... But I'd known that since I'd played under-19s for Australia with Gilly. Right. I'd seen him do that, making 200 in games, just coming out as the keeper. And teams are like, what is going on here? <laughs> so, so yeah, so that, and, then that, and then that Ashes we won. And you always want to be on Ashes winning. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you're going on that tour. And, and so, yeah, so that it just started then and it went from there. Next week on the Howie Games. Shh, Pickle, we're not allowed to say anything. Please, Big Penguin. No, Pickle, Daddy said we have to keep our little traps shut. Why, Pengy? Because Daddy is going big time. I mean big time with next week's guest. Bigger than Gene Norman? Maybe. Bigger than D. Sammy? Possibly. Bigger than Silly Gilly? Can't say, Pickle. All I can say is holy dooly, holy moly and crikey. Is going to be better than Mardo's cover drive. We're excited. You're talking about partnerships. There's oh, there's a couple of I remember you, which we might get to dominating the Indians when we first won mm. there in India. But prior to that, it must have been the 2003 World Cup final in Johannesburg, mm. and yeah. you and Rick put on a, a, yeah. a, a world record partnership. Yeah. And there was concerns whether you were going to play in the World Cup final. Did mm. you have a broken hand broken or finger. something? Broken, broken finger. finger. Yeah. Broken hand sounds better. Broken arm. <laughs> right. Okay. Busted leg. My finger was hanging off. Yes, so you're a little yeah. pinky. No, it wasn't a little pinky. It was my main finger. I can't show. We're doing a podcast. But look, it doesn't work properly anymore. No, it okay? doesn't. Okay? It doesn't. I have to hold the microphone. <laughs> there was concerns whether you are going to play. And I think we, we made... You know, and the boys got away to a good start, and then we yeah. lost a couple of wickets, and it was like, wow! I'll be and you just batted. I just remember thinking we're going to win the World Cup final. Yeah. If you spoke Stacey with Rick. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, you said you spoke to Danny Green and all that, and I think, well, in in those situations, I think sometimes things just focus you, like you know, injury or a, a moment, or you know, it's just like, well, I've got to do it. And the reason with that was because I'd broke my finger in the um, two games before, and Errol Orcott, which you know, this amazing physio, just. You know, because you couldn't take certain amount of drugs. Like you only could take panadine or whatever it was over set hours because you're going to get drug tested and you couldn't. I didn't even have a needle. It was just really like – so we're strapping it and we're doing that to get the blood out of it and all this sort of stuff for days and days. And I just thought, I'm not playing. can't play with a full broken finger. Um, and I, ha- I only could hold the bat a certain way and, and, um, and then catching. I, was, I couldn't even catch a tennis ball two days before. So – then it was only purely, and, and, it, and I say leadership again through Ricky Ponning and Adam Gilchrist and Alan Border that I played and, and gave me the confidence to play. So, and also my teammates in the Nets bowling, because what I had to do was prove a fitness test. This is before the World Cup yeah. final. So, so about three days out and try and keep the media away. So, so the, Errol Orcott and I would sneak on the cricket field at the bull ring and it'd be empty and teams at the backs, all the media... And he was hitting tennis balls to me and I was trying to catch tennis balls and then it slowly went to hardball. Every time I caught a ball, it was just terrible. And I'm like, nah, mate, this is like, I can't. You know. He goes, no, 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 it's okay. We'll just keep going. And then we finally got there and then the day before the game had to have a net. <laughs> and you can imagine all the media. Mm-hmm. And the great thing was <laughs> my teammates just, mate, just pitched the ball up. <laughs> Like, just keep it up. Nice, up. nice shot. Mato's in fine form. Get him in. Like, smoking. There's like no bounces. I cannot, because all I thought, I'll get one on the finger. And I also knew that if you got one on the finger, then you're just done. Because it was shattered. The whole finger was shattered, but they, they just plastered a certain way. But I knew that if it obviously got hit again, it's just gone. So, got through that. Then I had to go on the cricket field. And I was actually, try- I had to change my technique to catch and all this random stuff. But the big thing was that on the morning of the game, no decision had been made. 
You're talking the World Cup World final. World Cup now. final. Australia versus India. Yeah, Australia versus India. Not before I had dinner with Hados and whatever, and I was just like, no, nah, I'm out. I can't. I can't play. And they're like, oh, no, you'll be fine. You're fine. I'm like, no. Nah. I just I said, I said, guys, I go in the shower and I have to put hot water on my, like, I had to, like, thaw it out and get it to even move. It just wasn't moving. It just, uh, so I said, I can't. I can't do it. So we gave a dinner. Next morning, same thing. I remember having, we had, actually, I had somebody at Brecky Room Service, Brecky, because we had these great rooms with open the windows overlooking Joburg, whatever. So we're just sitting around casually having coffee and whatever. Got in the bus. Got in the bus. Well, at the back of the bus, Alan Border sitting, I remember, back left of the bus. So I sat. AB's a selector. Yeah, AB's a selector. He's sitting there and I sat two chairs in front of him and I think even Ricky Ponning might have been the chair in between or something. And I sat there and AB's like, you know, how are you this morning? I'm like, yeah, good, good, good. And he's like, you know, uh, how's the finger? And I'm like, oh, you know, whatever, you know. And, he, and he's like, well, you know what? <laughs> and he started telling me these stories about how tough they are in the old days for them. <laughs> like, you know, we played the West Indies and, you know, you know, remember Ian Healy? And, you know, like, you know and I you know, just get hit in the fingers, bat with broken fingers. It's like, man, it's a broken finger. Just get out there and play. And I'm like, oh, AB, I'm not, I'm not. And he, and he, look, and he looked at me and he goes, you're playing. And I'm like, ah, oh, okay. All right, no worries. So then I sit there thinking, oh, my God, okay, how, how's this happened? And Ricky's like, yeah, playing. So we walk in the rooms, Errol Orcock grabs me, the physio, and, and, he, and, and I, I went to him and I said, but I can't play. It was, it was much just nerves because the nerves are that if you're injured and you fail you let your team in a World down. Cup final, and that, that was my only thing. From a selfish point of view, I love to play the World Cup final, but I didn't want to let my teammates down that I don't want to be that person that mm. is dropping that catch or doesn't make a run. I get out, like, you know, we bat first, which we, we did. You bat first and... You do your thing, you're just going to have to field. So I'm walking in there going to Errol going, you know, nah, nah, nah. And the same thing with Errol. Now, whether they'd already had their meeting, he was like, no, nah, you're playing and this is what we're doing, okay? You know, do this, do that. And and then, and, but it was just that one moment where AB on the bus, he just, he, whether he was, it, it was he would have been nervous and punter, but they, they made you feel like the full confidence is, look, mate, suck it up. You're going to break a finger, you're playing. You'll be right. And we back you, you'll be right. Okay, I get it, you're nervous, but you're just right. But the way they said and the way they did it, and the same with Ricky, I know Ricky, he was putting his thing on the line because he's captain and this is the World Cup final. And it was just like, bang. And then when I went down, I sat in my locker, and it was just like, okay, you just got to do it. Like, there's no, it's like, you know, you got to, okay, this is it. So let's just get on with it. Like, you know, what's the worst case? Which it was, I didn't play cricket for six months. You know, it's like the worst case was, okay, well, it gets worse, it gets worse, and, you know, I miss whatever, but this is more important. And then, you know, that we wanted to bat, well, I wanted, batting seconds better, to get the mm. fielding at the right, and when we batted first, and then early on, I remember just Zia Khan bowling. Well, my biggest memory of that is when Hados did to India. I don't even remember when we were, the wicket was seeming around a bit, Hados and Gilly walk out there, and then Hados just started walking at him. Yeah, the as he did. Big chest out and, like, and his theory was too that it was nipping around a bit, it was swinging, you know. And then he, I remember him just this, you know, the big chest walking in and like bang, bang. And then Gilly got going. And then there was just like, okay, that was shattered. And then I got in and same thing. I was scoring beautifully, quickly. But my first deliveries, shit, my fingers killing every time the ball hits the bat. And then it just went numb. I didn't really feel it then. I think the moment or whatever. And I was just like, well, I'm hitting these pretty well today. <laughs> like, how's this going? I should do this more often. And then I'm batting, and then uh, and then punter comes in. Oh no, punter was already in, so I raced past, I raced past him, or whatever. And what's more than my funny joke to him? Because I got to fifty first. I was like, mate, I was at fifty first. You know, I got you going. You were batting like a slow coach because <laughs> you were like thirty or fifty. I mean, I was fifty or fifty. That was good in those days. And I got, and I got to like fifty eight, and then he just went like Gilly straight past me. Where then he made what did he make a hundred and forty hundred sixty yeah, or, yeah. I or think it was the highest score by a captain in a World Cup yeah and he just took all the strike I couldn't get any <laughs> so then so then, and then I turned that partnership and, and there's another yeah maybe? and there's a part and there's a photo which I have the main one where him and I are walking off together um, you know arm and arm sort of you know bromance style as you do mm. how we like we do and we mm. leave the commentary that's box that's exactly what we do Marta. Um so yeah so there's things like that that are special you know. That you always remember. I think that's a challenge of, you know, that, that was another challenge that you get through. So what has been your most special moment in cricket? Oh, mate, they're hard. Like, I think there's so many. It's getting picked for the first time. 
Um, it's your first Test Match 100. It's, you know, walking in every change room in Australia. You know, there's like, like there's, so, you know, you, 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 all your, for me, all your Test Match 100s, um, two World Cups with one World Cup final, um, you know. Ashes. Ashes conquering India and Sri Lanka, you know, which have been a huge thing. But, but then, you know, like those amazing moments of being able to walk down Lords, you know, when so many, mm. the history of the game, you know, SCG. Because the great thing with the SCG, those chainers haven't changed. So there's history, you know what I mean? Like, and I think you just, you've watched so much cricket and seen so many things that, you know, all of a sudden you're sitting there. This is your thing. There's your locker. There's your thing. Your name's on the board, you know, on honour boards or, or whatever. So I think... There's so many, and I think in the end, in the, through it all, in the end, it was just that you know what, I achieved what I dreamt of, always wanted to do was just play for Australia. There was never any set time or set thing, but then not just playing, getting dropped, but playing and actually saying, uh, showing the world that yes, I can bat, and I can bat like in India or Sri Lanka or it's not just the whacker. And I, I feel you know happy then, and also because of the guys we had, I just feel very lucky. We had a great bunch of guys. And and I think you look you know you see sporting teams and that you can tell certain teams have certain cultures or absolutely you can certain connections and certain teams don't and and we just had an amazing thing. So yeah. was it hard to walk away from because you know you've done things your own way throughout your career and that's pretty mm. obvious. And then I don't know you sent an email or something. You said that's it. I'm done. Marto's uh, out. No, was it Nemo? It might have been Nemo, James Sullen. No, I wrote him a letter, yeah. It was a yeah. low-key uh, retirement. Yeah. Well, because I, I, I couldn't talk about it because it would be too emotional. You was know? it? Yeah, oh, of course, because you've you're, you're, you're finished that part. Um, so the problem was I'd, I'd, it had been on my mind for a while after the Ashes 2005 to then and then, you know, being dropped for a year and then getting back in. So you remember after 2005 I got dropped and I, I was out for like, you know, like eight months, nine months, the same dramas then you get back in and then you play and, and I actually wanted to retire after the 100 I made at Joburg because for some reason I just have this thing about Joburg I love that ground I made so many runs there that I when I got back in the test side I said okay you know what I've had enough of this I'm just, I just want to get back in I want to make another 100 and say you know I shouldn't have been dropped you know this, you know, and I, I felt hard done by that I, I think the way Cricket Australia after that Ashes was just wasn't they just they did the wrong thing for us they tore our team apart when for losing, I mean, I lost one series ever in my life. So it was very dramatic over losing an Ashes. Like, one like, series? Yeah, like, like we hadn't lost, I mean, the drawn series. Yeah. But hadn't lost, um, since I got back in, that I played in from that to 2001, we hadn't, we never lost in Australia. So you thought CA should have looked after the group? Well, yeah, I just think it's, you know, it's one of those ones where we won so long. Runs on the board. Yeah, runs on the board. I mean, I just won Test Player of the Year like two months before. And, and leading up to that, I'd made two centuries in a row runs. I'd made runs in the January test. The first test I made 80. And then, you know, and, and there's, there's so many other reasons that the whole tour just was just, a, it just snowballed into, you know, one of those things when it's going bad, it's going bad. And it was always, and maybe it was a good thing because we'd, we'd rolled on for so long and been so good that, you know, it just, but it wasn't just about cricket. There was so much other stuff. But I just thought, you know, so you feel, you, obviously when you get dropped, you feel a bit let down. And I thought, I went back to club cricket. So you got to remember that the start of the next summer, come October, I'm standing at South Perth Career Club on a Saturday with like 10 cameras, mm. okay? I'd just won Test Player of the Year. We'd lost the Ashes, um, got dropped, and then and then next thing you know, I'm standing there. And and, and that people always say about egos, you gotta, you got to suck it up, you know? And then not many people could do all that. Like, you know, I'm standing there just playing club cricket on a Saturday with 10 cameras there reporting on whether I made runs. I think I made 30 and it makes the front news. <laughs> like, was it a good 30? Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get a bowl though. I, was, I just love club cricket. I wanted a bowl in club cricket. But then got back in and then said, okay, I want to make 100 again and prove that, you know, this and then just leave. So the problem was it was very hard to leave your mates. <coughs> it's very hard to walk up to Ricky Ponting or anybody and say, mate, I don't want to play for Australia anymore. Because you know why? either be emotional where you'd be crying or you'd be just couldn't do it because I can't look him in the eye and say, because, you know, he he loves it so much and I loved it so much, but it was like, and we'd, we'd, we'd all had these 
special memories and and what we did. And it's always going to end the day. It always breaks up. I mean, that's just the way the history is. But to leave it, yeah, it's it's tough. And some people can't leave it. That's why they find hard to retire or whatever. I just thought, well, I, if I'm going to go, I just want to go my way. So I tried it a few times. I had chats, you know, with certain people. And in the, the day, it was so hard. I couldn't. I just couldn't leave. Yeah. I just couldn't leave. I couldn't sit there like here with you and go, I'm leaving. Because Punter's going to say, well, no, you're not. Yeah. He's going to, because, you know, he, you know, and, 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 and you know, whether it's, um, you know, you know, mentally you're just at that stage, just whatever. I mean, it wasn't a talent thing. Because, yeah, I missed probably another two or three years of playing of test career. And I, and I didn't play first class. I should have gone back and played first class career. But, I mean, I missed two or three years. But So it wasn't a talent thing. I, I just think sometimes whether you burn out or you're just done, you know, in something. You know, it's hard to explain when you now you're out of it ten years. But at that stage, it was just I had to get out. I was just done mentally, physically. I was just... I just felt that I was going to go down a path where, you know, yeah, you know. And, you, and you know, like being on these tours, you're sitting in rooms by yourself. You know, everybody thinks it's so glamorous, okay, but there is times where you're just sitting alone, sitting around, you know, with your thoughts, whether you're, you know, you're depressed about making no runs or whatever it is. It's hard. Like, well, any truth to the rumour on this tour that at the last hotel in Jamaica <laughs> you couldn't find your way to reception because you didn't leave your room for seven straight days? Well, you haven't really checked on me, have you? Like, I could be – but, uh, no, I'm very happy here. I'm trying to stay away, mate, from Howie's tours. <laughs> no, well, you need to get okay? on the Howie's Because I've tour. seen some clips and I don't want to be there. Have you, you running? need to get yourself involved. I've got a couple of specific questions for you. I reckon you've taken two test wickets. Yes. Who are they? Very good ones. Who are they? Okay. Um, well, batsmen always think this they're, about their They're bowling. on YouTube. Oh, are they? Okay. Um, so my first one was Neil McKenzie, Adelaide Oval, LBW. South African plum? Yeah, yeah. Gilly was standing up. I don't know why. <laughs> I was hitting the wicket hard, good pace, just nipped back, and he was on 90-odd or whatever. Gutted. Lovely bloke he is, but he's gutted. Next one was Robert Key at the Wacker. Bowled off stump. Robert Key. Yeah. This is that sort of tubby English. Gentleman. Very good player. Very good player. <laughs> okay, okay. It was before T and Steve Wall obviously gave it the old Mart like Marto to have a bowl. And I gave it to me and uh, bowling up in the breeze and bowled and yeah, off stump. And you and I was doing this sort of run out there looking like an idiot <laughs> that you look back on clips and go, What was I thinking? Pointing, you're yeah, pointing. Yeah. I'm like I'm like running around there's a, and then next day in the paper I pick up the paper and Robert Key made this quote like I can't believe I got out to that average bowler or something <laughs> like that. I was like, what is he talking about? It was a great delivery. But the funny story is that because Bish never believed me because Bish has never got me out okay, in test cricket, so he hates that. And we talk about it, joke about it. And then my two wickets, I had to find last year in the CPL, YouTube, two wickets. I had to show him. He just shakes his head, Bish. The two wickets you've got, uh, the best player you've played with. Best player i played with. Uh, and that's a big question because you've played with some. You've played with, well, Gilly changed the game. They say the punters are the best. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I know you do this thing where you want a direct answer. You say, well, well who's going to win? Yeah, but, this but, is what you avoid in commentary all the time. Yeah, no, but okay. I can't, I can't answer this. I've got too many great players. Okay, Warner McGrath. Warner McGrath. Yeah, well, that combination. I mean, talk about holding and going, oh, you know, like on Marshall. But I just think Warner McGrath, they just did it for us with the ball. And then I'd go, Gilly and Punter. I think because Gilly changed the game, you know, it, you know, he, he, he changed. He's even now still, you know, we're trying to bat keepers opening, and and he just changed the game. And then Punner just for Punner leadership, and and also that player. And it's funny, he's a North Melbourne fan, isn't it? Like, because he's just he's just in there. Mm, he loves you it. Know, you know, no, but have been that that sort of you know you look at North Melbourne and and you know certain players there and you know Brent Harvey and all these guys. But that's Punter. Punter was just in there. He was just in the trenches. Yeah. Day in day out. Shin bone spirit. And, and copying all the stuff outside that we never knew, like all the media, all the phone calls off Cree Australia, all the dramas, and he could still do what he did because not many people could do that. We we get to go to our room and just train and go at, and he's in his room like you know dealing whatever. But he was always there for everybody and just in the trenches. It was going to be tough, he was there. Same with Steve Waugh and the same, you know, like Steve, you know, he was just, they were just always there. And, I, and, then, and then to me, Gilly, I just look up to him and go, oh, you're just a freak. Yeah. Just a freak of, of nature. Now, he plays it down by saying, oh, well, you know, whatever. But it's, uh, mate, you're too consistent <laughs> yeah. to do these freakish things, you know. You know, obviously, we might do the odd thing, but he would just continue to go out and, and, like David Warner, like, and and sides were scared of certain batsmen. Just scared because the game goes. 
quickly. Ga- game's gone, and I, and that's why Warner's so good for us. And 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 yeah, so Gilly changed the game. But overall, mate, it was just we're a lucky era. I mean, it's like be saying in the Bradman era or playing in the '80s with the West Indies. You know, you just look back and go, if you talk about cricket worldwide now. You, you know, they talk about those sort of three things. They talk about that Bradman sort of thing and then the 80s of the West Indies and then there were that sort of, you know, whatever, it's mid-90s to whatever. They said this sort of, we had this window. That must be special to be of, seen as a member of one of those teams. Yeah, no, I, I and, and more now because my son's growing up, he's like eight and, and he gets he can watch YouTube now, so that's the only spot he can sort of, you know, see or whatever. So it's more that now. I think the older you get, obviously, you, you look back, but... Always fun. I mean, uh, and and we're friends for life. We don't, we know, we don't. Obviously, everybody's off now, all around the country. Their families doing different things, but there's always a bond. And and you would have seen it with Gilly and mm. Punner, or you know, working whatever. That you can be away for years, get back, and it's just like you Bang. know, your brother or sister you haven't seen. Like you just back straight into it. So I think we're very very lucky that way, and, and a great great bunch of guys. Who's the best you played against? Uh well, it has to be Lara. Um, uh, well, bowling, I, I'd say it was Ambrose and, and Wilson Macram, you know, those guys. I mean, Ambrose, I couldn't score a run off. Macram was just, I don't know how the guys made run off, runs off him. I faced him at the end of his career. Um, but then, yeah, the two batters are Lara and Tendulkar. But I think what Lara did, it was, was just freakish. You know, his talent, you know, he's exceptional about how he would move fielders and move positions and attack bowlers and you know he just changed the field he just dominated the game like he was just a freak freak of a player so yeah and and then and I and I love watching Tanduka for the technique yep so you- and he was great I mean he's a superstar but you know like there's that mixture isn't it of you got this you know technique and then you got this guy who's just like whipping him you know like you you're going to watch Lara yeah if you, you got, get to choose you're going to watch yeah Lara, and he was hitting warning out of the rough and you got that 270 at, at the SCG and I was that was my early test match I was watching I was going I don't want to get out like this guy's just like, how do you hit Warney? You know, he's bowling around the wicket in the rough, spinning in, left hand to Lara, and he's hitting him. He was hitting him like in areas behind point, in front of point. And yeah, Steve Ward moved the fielder and he just hit it that way. And it's like, who is this guy? So, you know, yeah, so some great icons to play against. You mentioned the quick bowlers. Um, before I let you go, is it, have you ever been out in the middle and felt fear or have you always had enough ability to be able to... Put that out of your mind. Uh, you're not not fear, just you're highly <laughs> energised and adrenaline, like and nerves. I, I say you know, I, I think you're nervous for every time you bat. Even if I went to a charity game now, yeah, there's still that feeling that it's almost like a, sometimes gonna be a sick feeling, you know. That so every time I batted, yes, you you were just nervous and and I think you, yeah, you're highly you're never in fear of getting hit. I mean, I've been hit, you know, in the head or, or whatever. It was never about that. It was it was more I love the contest of it. Like like one of the best ones I had was Shoah back there at the MCG's bowling around the wicket. And I, and I got a hundred in the end, but it was this contest of, you know, he was bowling bounces and got hit. A bit like the Michael Clark and the Morno Morkel thing. Yep. Where in the moment there for Clarkey, those balls hitting him they wouldn't have hurt as much because, you know, you just got this focus of I'm not going to show the bowler and you're going to get hit and there's going to be bruises. But, you know, people go, how do you get hit by a ball 150 Ks? They go, well, you don't really know. It just hits you and you, but you're in this zone. And and then, so in that zone, it was just like, okay, you got to have a clear head and just watch the ball. It sounds very simple, but that's the only way you're going to survive. Not get out and not get hit. Because <laughs> that's all you can do. You know, he's steaming in from, you know, miles away and I'm standing there batting and he, he just, you know, you don't want to premeditate, but he was just bowling bouncer. So either I'd be swaying or, or whatever or I might get hit and then he'd run all the way down in his follow through and stand there. And the only way I could get through it, so I just turn my back <laughs> on him and just scrape, you know, center stump. Yep. And the crowd would be like, oh, like this whole drive. Because he's there like, you know, dribbling and like, ah, ah, ah. But it's the only way I could keep focus. Because if I got in a sledging match or I got in a, you know, you start and then you just walk all the way back. And we had this great fight about it. But I think just keeping a clear a clear thing, it's it's, it's harder watching. Like I remember watching Harmison when he hit J.O. at Lords mm. or something and you're going to come in next. Right. That's something worse because you go, whoa. He looks Just jail's got hit. Oh, punter got hit. 
And then punter got hit. And I was like, oh, no, this is not going to go well for me. Because <laughs> I mean, if punter's getting hit by a short ball, I'm thinking, oh, something's gone wrong today. <laughs> He's actually got a little bit of a cut under his eye. I've never seen him bleed. Uh, like, uh, I had to drop, drop down the order. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number 11. Yeah, number 11. Hey, Marto, uh, thank you for sitting down with us on the Howie Games. I appreciate it. Um, great stories. You've been very warm. You've been generous. We've got a game in about 18 hours <laughs> in Florida, so you can sneak off to your room now and <laughs> just hide. Is that, is that how long? It's not long enough for me. <laughs> for I've got the a, next 18 hours. I've got to go, mate, but I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Cheers. Buddy. Many, many, many layers to Damien Martin. And hopefully, after this episode of the Howie Games, you feel like you know Marto a little bit better. Thanks for listening. You guys know the drill. We'll be back with another episode of the Howie Games next Thursday. Until then, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Listener.